Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Luke 11. One of the most important things you can learn how to do in the Christian life is to pray. Prayer is so important, yet I think some people just assume that they know how to pray or assume that prayer comes easily when actually I think any experience in the Christian life will show you that actually praying is hard. Taking time away from the responsibilities of life to go talk to somebody that you cannot see, uh, it, it takes faith. And then even in those times, staying focused, knowing what to pray for, it it can be hard. And sometimes if you've been around someone that is clear, this person knows how to pray, it can be inspiring. And now put yourself in the shoes of the apostles as they see Jesus pray. And let's just take a note of that. Note how Jesus prayed. We've already seen that in the Gospels. Before he chooses his disciples, he spends all night in prayer. He would go out to desolate places to get alone with the Father to pray. And if Jesus needed to do that, how much more do you and I? This is very important. And so we see in the beginning of Luke 11, uh, it says, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And so there you see uh, part of what drove the disciples to ask the question was Jesus's example. And so we should come today with that same heart. Jesus, teach me to pray because I didn't see it in the flesh, but I see your prayer life as I'm reading through the Gospels, and I want more of that in my life. And so then we see him teach how to pray. And we we see here uh, really a combination of some different things that we've already read in the Sermon on the Mount. This is the Lord's Prayer, uh, really the same minus uh, one request. We don't see in this In Luke's version, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And even that, I think, should tell us it's not that Jesus is teaching us some magic words um, in this, that, hey, go repeat this a bunch of times alone with God and magical things will happen. No, we've clearly seen him say prayer is not about vain repetitions. So I don't think the focus is on the exact words as much as on the content. And that's, again, something I would encourage more Christians to think about. Jesus taught us how to pray. And probably most of you listening um, to this podcast, if I said, hey, say the Lord's Prayer right now without looking, you could probably get it or close. Uh, we know what Jesus has taught us to pray for. Even uh, recently, I was on a trip to Uganda and I was speaking to the youth group on the Lord's Prayer. And I, I wanted to make that point. Hey, you, you probably all know the Lord's Prayer, but you know, you're in a cross-cultural situation. You're not sure what, what things are like in that culture. But after I read the passage, when the translator speaking the Luganda dialect, when he started reading the Bible, from I was teaching from Matthew 6, 
As soon as he got to the Lord's Prayer, everyone joined in and they all said it out loud together. Christians know the Lord's Prayer. Um, And I think you do too. And so again, it's what are these requests saying? And I need to be praying for these things. I need to be praying for the name of God to be hallowed. I want God to be glorified. I want people to see, myself included, the holiness of God. You need to pray for that. You should be seeking God's glory in prayer. Your kingdom come. Um, We need to be praying, first of all, for the return of Christ. He is the king and he is coming back. Um, And so we need to be praying for his return, but also we should be praying for the advancement of his kingdom while we wait. And what does that look like? Does it look like military struggle? No, it looks like the advance of the church and the advance of the gospel. Are you praying regularly for the advance of the church and the advance of the gospel? And then he says, give us each day our daily bread. Oh, we're praying for our needs. We should pray for the things that we need each day. And then he asks for forgiveness. We should regularly be confessing our sin to God in prayer and asking for forgiveness. And we should be lifting up others really in prayer and forgiving them. And then finally, he says, lead us not into temptation. We should be praying for God's protection from temptation. And then he goes from really speaking about the what, what should we pray for, to the how, how should we pray? And he gives the idea of persistence and even really of impudence is what it says there in the English Standard Version, or it even says it could be translated persistence, but it tells the story of the man who comes at midnight and and says to his friend, all right, he's not going to get up because he cares about his friend. He's going to get up to make his friend shut up and go away. Um, And he's saying, that's how you should pray to God. Clear Again, to be clear, the point of the parable is that God is not giving you what you want to make you go away. the, The guy in bed is not the point of the parable. The guy asking is the point of the parable. God's not saying, I'm like the guy in bed. He's saying, you should be like the guy asking. Um, that's how you should pray. And he says some amazing things. He says, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, it will be opened. And then he goes to this imagery of a father loving to give good gifts to his children. He is daring us. He is commanding us to ask. But here's the problem. Many times we feel like we've asked and we have not gotten what we want for. And so we look at this passage and we say, well, this doesn't work. And I want us to see how foolish that is. And it's very foolish when we have unanswered prayers for us to assume that the problem is with God and with his promises as opposed to us and how we are praying and what we are praying for. Imagine that you are getting a golf lesson from Tiger Woods and he is saying, hey, here's what you got to do. This is what you should think about and this is how you should hit the golf ball. And then he says, okay, now go and and he even tells you, hey, do this and, and the ball will go far and straight. And you're like, okay, great. And so then 
instead of doing what he told you to do, you go take a full happy Gilmore swing and you slice one off into the woods. Well, don't you think it would be foolish for you to look at Tiger Woods and say, that didn't work? Because he would look at you and say, you didn't do what I said. And I fear that if we could have a conversation with God about this, it would go like that for many people. We would say, what's up with your promises about prayer? It doesn't work. And God would look at us and say, you didn't do what I said. No wonder you didn't get the result that I said you would get because you didn't listen when I told you what to pray for and how to pray. So I want to encourage you, make your prayers about the things that Jesus taught us to pray about and pray with the confidence and the the impudence, the persistence that Jesus taught us to pray for. Uh, These are some major lessons we need to learn from Luke chapter 11. Uh, Now, let's uh, go through some of the rest of uh, the chapter. Again, we see the authority of Jesus emphasized. We saw in chapter 10 how his servants had authority. Well, Jesus makes it clear he has authority to cast out demons. He's not casting out demons um, by the chief of demons. No, uh, he is the strong man that is coming, and he is the one who will deal with uh, the devil. Um. Uh, We also see him speak about the unclean spirit. And really, I think the idea of that in verses 24 through 26 is, hey, you cast out a demon. If it's really, if it's not replaced with Christ, it's just going to end up worse. And I I see this all the time. And maybe it doesn't even seem like demon possession, but you see people, oh man, I got to get rid of sin in my life. And maybe they do it for a while, but if it's all in their own strength, if they're not really replacing the sin in their life with Christ and a devotion to him, things generally end up worse than they were to begin with. Uh, Now, uh, there's one great statement here in the middle where some woman cries out to Jesus and says, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. But Jesus said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Wow. That's a strong statement. And that's where when we think, okay, what did that mean then? What does that always mean? What does that mean now? I'll tell you real simply what it means now. Hear the word of God and keep it. Listen to what Jesus is saying and do what he says. And then we see Jesus talking about the sign of Jonah and again, rebuking the crowd and claiming to be greater than Solomon, claiming to be greater than Jonah in who he is. And then this idea of the light, that if we are filling ourselves with light, our whole life will be full of light. And really, we need to receive the word of Christ. If we are receiving the word of Christ, our eyes will be filled with light. That will affect our whole lives. Um, and, and we see then kind of an opposite of that in the end of this chapter, the woes to the Pharisees and the lawyers. Um, And when he talks to the Pharisees, he really focuses on their hypocrisy. They are putting on a nice front on the outside, but inside there is wickedness. And they're focusing on, you know, the details and the externals while ignoring the heart and things like justice and the love of God. And then in verse 45, one of the lawyers says, "Uh, teacher, in saying these things, you insult us, the lawyers also. And he said, woe to you lawyers also. And in this section, he really focuses um, not just on their hypocrisy, but on how they are actively leading people astray. 
that, that's a big part of uh, the gist here. It's summed up in verse 52. Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves and you hindered those who were entering. So you're the teachers. You're the ones who should be teaching about the law. So lawyers is used in a different sense than you would think of a lawyer. Think of a teacher of the law here. And he's saying, you've missed the point so much that you're not getting it right for yourselves. And now you are leading other people astray as well. And you can see that's clearly not well received because they go and start scheming to catch him in something that he says. And we know ultimately Christ will be crucified. So again, we want to hear those words to avoid hypocrisy in our own lives. And even just to be cautioned, if you are a hypocrite, not only will you perhaps not experience eternal life, you will keep others from it as well through leading them astray. These are sobering words from Jesus. May we be those who hear the word of God and keep it, and particularly so when it comes to prayer. Jesus has taught us what to pray for. He's taught us how to pray for it. Let's listen to him and do what he says. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.